0: My next guest has joined us on the line. Mary-Jane Warfield is the manager of the Regional Arts Fund at Regional Arts Australia. And the Regional Arts Fund uh, is an Australian government initiative to support cultural development in regional, rural and remote Australia. Mary-Jane, welcome to Triple R. Thanks very much,
1: Richard. Thanks for having me.
0: Very great pleasure. Thank you for joining us. Now, um, just before we talk about the Regional Arts Fund in a little bit more detail... um, the exciting news is that the there's been a significant boost in funding uh, for the Regional Arts Fund. Am I correct in thinking this is, uh, what, an extra $10 million for the regional arts sector that the federal government announced, uh, what, a couple of months ago now?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, it was on the 9th of April. So, Minister Paul Fletcher, who's the Minister for Communications and Arts, announced a $10 million boost, So, which is extremely exciting for us. Um, we, along with the network, have been advocating for an increase in the Regional Arts Fund for years. So, we usually operate on around $3 million a year, and we distribute that across the country. So, this is an extra $10 million on top of that, specifically around the impacts of COVID-19.
0: Now as you said it was announced back in April uh and now uh obviously kind of once an organisation like Regional Arts Australia is told we're going to give you an extra $10 million, it takes a little while to work out the processes and the guidelines to actually allocate that funding. But it's nonetheless, it's fantastic news for any artist working in rural, regional or remote Australia. Um, This is an opportunity to fund uh, projects, support ideas, support careers for artists, as you say, uh, to counter the impact of COVID-19. Is it also going to be uh, uh, useful for artists who might have been living in areas such as East Gippsland and uh, kind of New South White parts of New South Wales that were severely affected by bushfires as well.
1: Absolutely, yes, absolutely. The focus is on we've we've tried to design the best program that we can to meet short term, medium term, and longer term recovery needs. So um, I know for me, my personal experience with the Black Saturday fires in Victoria in 2009, we weren't ready as communities to jump straight into arts projects. And that's definitely the feedback we've had from across the country, um, from people who've suffered from um, bushfires and drought as well, that those longer term renewal projects really need a couple of years to happen. So what we've done is in consultation with the, we have a a network across the country. So in consultation with all of those organizations, we've designed a, a three phase rollout of this funding. So the first phase will be RAF relief which is up to $5,000, and that's about asset relief. It's about immediate support. Then there'll be a recovery phase, so that's one- to two-year projects, and they're between $20,000 to 60000 Um, and that's more about recovery and that'll help organisational needs. So usually the RAF is about projects and arts outcomes and this funding is a bit different because it's about more supporting operations and assets and really that um, grounding stuff that artists and organisations need at the moment. And then the longer-term projects, the RAF renewal, those are um, like up to three-year projects that need to have really strong partnerships in community. and and a really future positioning focus. And they'll be sort of gentle, they won't be, we're not gonna dive into those straight away. So we're hoping that that really meets a bunch of needs across the country.
0: Uh, And in terms of uh, the renewal, uh, as you said, uh, projects of up to three years, what's the funding kind of pool there?
1: Uh, it's different. So each organisation, we work with organisations, as I said, across the country. So what we've done is there's quite a bit of flexibility in the guidance um, from the government around this in terms of um, tailoring those to the different needs. So they range from 90,000 to 150,000 over three years. And those will be by invitation in consultation with those, those organisations. So in Victoria, where you are, that's regional arts Victoria, and it, those ones will be really about yeah partnerships with communities and also working together with those regional administrators to to meet the needs across the state.
0: Right. Well, let's let's break those uh, kind of. Uh, projects and funds down a little bit more. So, uh, for somebody listening who might be a regionally based artist, for example, uh, maybe they're, I don't know, up in the Victorian goldfields or uh, they're streaming in Triple R uh, out in the Wimmera somewhere or down in East Gippsland. Um, as you said, for RAF Relief, which is for kind of uh, short, more immediate kind of needs up to five thousand dollars, what kind of uh, app grant application could people put in would this could this be for example, to um, i don 't know if somebody 's house burnt down in the bushfires, could this be to replace their art supplies paints, paper brushes, for example?
1: yes, absolutely absolutely so um, this and this is different to the usual RAF. so the the applications will open across the country from the first of July. I've just designed the application form, and I've tried to make it as absolutely as simple as possible. So it's just about what do you need the money for, and how will this help you? Um, and how does it how does it meet the objectives of the Well so There's a few things we need to collect in terms of data so that we can keep reporting on on the regional arts fund. But the applications, as I said, open from the first of July. Um, People can, yeah, like a a camera, a computer update, um, website help, getting things online or replacing assets that have been lost, absolutely.
0: And it's great that the Regional Arts Fund can be flexible like this to respond to need rather than saying, yes, even though there is a crisis, we need to maintain our existing kind of guidelines, format structures and so forth.
1: I think that happens because of our relationships. So we have a really good relationship with the Office of the Arts that now sits in the Department of Infrastructure, Transport, Regional Development and Communications. <laughs> but we still we have the same people at the Office of the Arts, the same team, and we have a great relationship with them. And then we have this great network. And we've got Arts, Arts ACT, Regional Arts New South Wales, Darwin Community Arts... Flying Arts Alliance, Country Arts South Australia, Rant Arts in Tassie, Regional Arts Victoria and Regional Arts WA. So the strength of that network and the communication between those organisations and then up to Regional Arts Australia and through the government is a really healthy way of getting word from artists on the ground through to government. And so I think that's why the government have really listened to us and um, built in some flexibility in that in that funding agreement, which is great.
0: Ah, who said bureaucracies were inflexible? Good to know. Uh, if you've just yeah. tuned in, my guest is Mary Jane Warfield, who's the manager of the Regional Arts Fund at Regional Arts Australia. Uh, the Regional Arts Fund has received a kind of a significant uh, funding increase from the federal government to uh, address the challenges of uh, bushfire recovery and the impact of COVID nineteen. So, yeah, for individual artists re- uh, uh, and communities, uh, the RAF Relief Fund up to five thousand dollars. Applications opening on the first of July. And that's for asset replacement, uh, support for arts practices, small projects, professional development opportunities. The next stage, RAF recovery, is uh, instead of immediate relief, as its name suggests, it's about recovery. So it's in the longer term, one to two years, uh, and uh, funding applications of between uh, 20,000 and uh, 20 to 60K, was it?
1: Yeah, and it's different for each state. So if people, wherever people are tuning in from, they should look at the organisation that's relevant to their state. So in Victoria, where you are, it's 30000 is the maximum amount for those grants, and they also open on the 1st of July. And that's for projects starting from January next year, so from January 2021, and the projects can go for up to two years.
0: Now, and what kind of project might fit the guidelines for uh, the, these $30,000 grants in RAF recovery?
1: It's quite open. So, one thing that we've um, put in here is that you can cover operational costs a bit more than usual. So, usually, as I said before, are projects, you know, that deliver on a project with the recovery, things like emergency plans. So, one example would be, say, a regional gallery that might be in a bushfire zone or that... Or, you know, I mean, COVID affects everybody. So all the um, changes we've seen recently, being able to have some consultation and spend some time doing some emergency management plans and risk management plans, which is something that arts organisations don't often get support to do. So we're hoping that'll be really helpful there. It can also be a creative project, if that's appropriate, but it's really about meeting the objectives of the RAF. So there's four objectives. I'm just going to read them out because they're. I think the whole program hinges on these four things that we're trying to achieve with regional arts. So they are to encourage and support sustainable economic, social, and cultural development, developing partnerships and networks, developing audiences and broadening community engagement with the arts, and increasing employment and professional development opportunities and raising the profile of regional and remote artists. So. Every project, every um, application that we look at, we want it to hit as many of those objectives as possible.
0: Yeah. And, look, the final stage of the project, RAF Renewal, so it's uh, the Regional Arts Fund's renewal uh, grants program, which can provide up to three years of funding to support projects that have strong partnerships and long-term outcomes. These are the kind of projects and partnerships that really fascinate me in which the the project itself can be the outcome. It's about healing communities, working with communities to to develop projects that not only respond to the needs of the communities, but actually help strengthen and build communities through art projects.
1: It's true, and that I think that's something that regional people do really well because we're – it's you know, it's smaller communities need to rely on each other in a way that – I think COVID has made it really obvious how that works, how those partnerships um, are strengthened by – well, not strengthened by crisis, but I think crisis brings out the best in, in small communities. And so, yeah, partnerships, long-term – And we've tried to keep it open so that we're getting ideas from people of what they need. We don't want to be too prescriptive, but that it's... Yeah, it has long-term outcomes and that those um, collaborations and partnerships and also working with um, our regional program administrators. So, those applications will be by invitation. So, if people are interested in talking about a project idea, they should contact their regional program administrator to have a chat and get to know them and and see what kind of direction their community might like to take their renewal in.
0: If you'd like more information about the Regional Arts Fund, you can jump online, regionalarts.com.au, which is the homepage for Regional Arts Australia, the uh, kind of national body supporting artists, arts organisations, audiences and communities across regional Australia. And here in Victoria, uh, you want to visit Regional Arts Victoria. Surprise, surprise. Uh, And their website, he says, googling frantically, uh, is... uh, RAV, dot net A-U. So they're the, the kind of local state administrators of the Regional Arts Fund, which is managed uh, by Regional Arts Australia on behalf of the federal government. Um, look, just before I let you go, uh, Mary-Jane... As we said, the, the fact that the Regional Arts Fund boost, it's significant. It's, 10, it's an extra $10 million. Now, Regional Arts Australia and other organisations around the country have been lobbying for a permanent increase to the Regional Arts Fund. Uh, how likely is it, do you think, that uh, the federal government would, will listen to those needs and go, oh, well, we gave you $10 million for the next few years. Let's make that permanent.
1: Oh, that would be a dream come true. I think at the moment we have about a 30% success rate on applications, so there's so many great projects that we just can't fund. And there's such strength in regional communities to work across organisations and schools and local government. It would just be amazing. So what we try and do is do really solid reporting and data because the government really like to see economic impact and community cohesion and all these kind of... They want to see the evidence. So a big part of my job is reporting on the data on the on the outcomes and really demonstrating to members of parliament how effective this is for communities. So applicants and artists are also um, <laughs> I think contacting your MPs and and letting them know about your art is actually really worthwhile and getting those personal relationships, it helps us and it helps our advocacy
0: as we've heard the regional arts fund's boost uh staggered across relief recovery and renewal applications uh open from the 1st of july jump online regionalarts.com.au for more information about the regional arts fund i've been talking to the manager of the regional arts fund at regional arts australia mary-jane warfield mary-jane thank you so much for joining us on triple r this morning thanks richard melbourne's own Triple R. Now, speaking of love, somebody I uh, always enjoy speaking to is the lovely Emily Sexton, who is the Artistic Director of Arts House here in Melbourne, and also an old friend of mine who I haven't seen or spoken to for a little while, because haven't seen anybody, really, because of COVID-19. So it's a delight to have her on the phone. Emily Sexton, a very good morning to you.
2: Oh, Richard, that's maybe the best introduction I've ever received. <laughs> it's so nice to hear your voice.
0: Uh, so as we know, kind of the the impact of COVID-19 has caused all manner of restrictions, including socialising with old friends, hugs in foyers, the closure of theatres and many other things. It's also enabled organisations to present work digitally and one of the things that is intriguing about Bleed, this new project by Arts House presented in conjunction with Campbelltown Arts Centre, is yes, it's a collaborative online festival, but am I right in thinking that long before COVID, you'd actually already conceived this idea of a digital festival.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And so the the story is really that um, people might know, Arts House has been presenting a program called Refuge um, for the last five years. And in 2018, um, Refuge looked at... Um, pandemics. It looked at our emergency and, and we worked with the Doherty Institute, who everyone knows very well now, um, to look at pandemics. And I, don't know, I was quite new to Arts House, but at the time I thought, gosh, given that we can't bring everyone together, it would make a lot more sense if this was all digital. And so that planted a seed. And then Campbelltown were doing some really cool stuff um, digitally on Facebook. And so we reached out to them. And, um, and that's where the work started, I guess, to, to sort of conceive um, commissioning works directly just for the digital space. And trying to think through at the time... Um, what the relationship would be between live performance and and digital. And, I mean, met plenty of people will know I spent time working with the Wheeler Centre as well. So I'm, I have always been really curious about, um, I guess, uh, all the different mediums in which we can tell stories and, and also the way the internet has become its own form of public space but one that is highly privatised. Uh, so... Yeah, I was, we were interested in a lot of those ideas, and that, that's where Bleed came
0: from. And why collaborate with Campbelltown Art Centre in particular? For people who don't know them, they're based up in Campbelltown, New South Wales, and the the southwest fringe of Sydney. It's a multidisciplinary contemporary art centre. Was it the fact that they are multidisciplinary in the same way that Arts House is, and focused on contemporary art? Was that the first connection?
2: Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of similarities between our models and and. Um, We're also both part of local governments, which I think is quite interesting as, you know, somewhere that's quite a relatively steady support for the art. But, um, yeah, they also had some really cool staff um, and good thinkers and we were interested in similar artists. So, um, yeah, it it seemed to make sense.
0: So, in terms of Bleed, it's going to be uh, a biennial event. uh, uh, So, this year and then again in, what, 2022?
2: Yes. (laughs) <laughs> What's 2022? <laughs> what is time? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, in theory. I mean, um, we'll, we'll see. Let's get through this first one. But um, it is quite exciting. We've got five new art commissions um, and they do all sorts of quite fascinating things. Um, on Monday, we'll launch the first one, which is Hannah Bronte's um, work called Miss Yutnia. Um, But she's very representative of... Uh, uh, all of the projects which sort of are multi-hydra um, kind of works where they, um, you know, Hannah will, she's got these very beautiful meditative videos that are really designed to make you slow down and breathe and really kind of think about Nature, she'll also, many people will know Hannah as um, a DJ um, who plays under the name Baby Mama. So we'll, we'll do a kind of really great streaming event with her um, of music. She's also doing a kids event um, on Zoom, which would be, you know, which should be super fun. So um, we're sort of spending two weeks focused on um, each commission. And some of the other ones to come up are some fascinating um, sort of futuring workshops that really that um, Alex Kelly and David Pledger are working on that really sort of catapult us forward into 2029, and and then we look back to all the changes that have occurred. Um, There's also James Nguyen and Victoria Pham who have um, done this wonderful project where they've uh, sort of released the sound of the, the Vietnamese rain drum and created an instrument online where anybody can download these um, beautiful um, sounds that are usually locked up in museums. So, yeah, there's a lot of different things that um, will form part of the festival. It goes over 10 weeks to really kind of uh, allow people time to discover it, and and I think a lot of the... Um, there's been a lot more digital offerings online than I ever imagined we would have when we were launching this festival, but, um, a lot of it's been really hard to catch, you know, it's like there and gone and it's it's sort of behaving a little bit like a normal festival does. And I feel like our lives are oddly, um, full at the moment, even though no one's you know, it's still not obviously going to the theatre. There's a lot of noise. So we really tried to slow this down and and give people the time to to not just kind of, like, yes, obviously it's available on your phone, but at the same time I was watching a really beautiful dance film the other night from 2011, and and we really, you know, yeah, it's on YouTube, but we put it on the proper screen, sat on the couch, had a glass of wine, and really relaxed watching, you know, a beautiful piece of art. And I thought, oh, this is the way to do it, even though, I'm in my own house. I can still, you know, treat, you know, something artistic with the same kind of respect I would, you know, do in a gallery. So
0: Now, yeah. I, I wanted to ask uh, to what degree do you have any concern, uh, at you and your uh, colleagues at Arts House as well as the, your colleagues up at uh, Campbelltown, because we've been so saturated with digital content. Like, I, I certainly have found it... So overwhelming to the point I've almost stopped watching things because there is just um, so much kind of. Uh, I've watched some, some live comedy and some live theatre and, uh, and some streamed dance and so forth, but the choice became so overwhelming that I almost switched off. Are you concerned that Bleed will suffer in terms of audience numbers and engagement and interaction because so many other people will be in my shoes? They'll be going, oh, but we're digitaled out.
2: <laughs> um- I'm not concerned for a few reasons. One, um, one of the things that we're exploring in this festival and the reason that it's called Bleed is, um, you know digital is is part of our everyday existence it's there from the moment we get up until the moment we go to bed and one of the things that I'm most interested in as part of the festival is the fact that that is all very unexamined you know like we just we kind of do everything um, and it, you know we, we feel our way through the internet um, without really thinking about it very much so that we've got this big program um, of ideas called bleed echo and some great essays that we've been working with witness performance um, to Commission, as well as running dog in Sydney, so yeah. Like on the one hand, um, yeah, sure, it's a very saturating time, but I think now more than ever, we also do need, I guess, a curatorial eye over all of that to actually join the dots and, and kind of go, well, this stuff is great, and yeah, that stuff is is something else, you know. So um, yeah, to kind of you know really elevate, you know, certain things and guide you towards something that might be meaningful. But the other thing is like... Oh, sorry, well, just to yes.
0: jump in there for a moment, Emma, you've just uh, kind of really referenced one of the things that the arts are so critical for is kind of mediating an experience and encouraging us to consider, analyse and interrogate that experience. So yeah, as you say, yes. rather than just accept the fact that the internet is there and we look at it first thing in the morning when we wake up and just before we go to bed, kind of, yeah, to, to to consider uh, our digital interactions rather than just blindly interact
2: yeah that's absolutely right and um, the other thing as well is like we've been doing um, uh, some you know events online in the lead up to this as part of our other programs and I've got to say like the kinds of people that are able to access what we're doing um, by putting it as and you know and broadcasting it online is really exciting and it's pretty hard to imagine that we'll ever walk away from doing that. You know, that, that we can put, a. we've been doing um, a talk series about refuge um, uh, that people can still go to the Arts House website and watch. And we sort of, we looked at before, during and after a pandemic based on our experience of, of working in the arts in relation to pandemics. And like we have had hundreds of people gather together on a Thursday at lunchtime. With I don't, I'm not, being critical, but it would be quite hard to get 200 people to North Melbourne on a Thursday lunchtime um, in, a, in you know, into the North Melbourne Town Hall to, to see talk about art and pandemics that wouldn't be so easy and instead we've you know people have been able to come from all over the world but also people who struggle to leave the house at the best of times through a range of different kinds of conditions um, have been able to participate and that is very meaningful so I don't know what we're it, when we kind of think about all of these numbers or, or who we're reaching um, we need to also think about um, can attend that might normally not be able to attend, you know, the theatre or otherwise and that's pretty exciting to me that if we've broken some ground there.
0: Um, One of the other things to uh, kind of, I guess, swing this conversation back to something that you mentioned at the start, Emily, uh, when talking about Bleed, this uh, new kind of live event in the digital presented by Arts House in collaboration with Campbelltown Arts Centre. You talked about the fact that... For so many of us, the internet is so freely accessible, but it's a largely corporate space. We don't own the internet. It's not like a public park that we walk through. It's more the digital equivalent of going to a shopping centre and being watched by security guards, wherever you go, even though you're not necessarily consciously aware that you are in a controlled and corporate space. Yeah, that's
2: absolutely true. It's also cultural, I think, um, I was talking to a friend of mine who works in the Philippines last week and he, it, on the topic of public space, and he sort of said, we don't, <laughs> we don't have public spaces. We barely have sidewalks. Um, you know, even something that looks like, uh, you know, a park is not somewhere where you could go and put down a picnic. Um, so the mall is has become a kind of public space. So, um, And I think a lot of people from other cultures would, would point to the idea that space, in the street is is not policed or or somehow mm, surveilled as as yeah uh, um, pretty problematic. So I think um, yeah I think while the internet um, is a more corporately driven space, you're, absolutely um, there's some interesting parallels and learnings we can understand for how people have created their own voices um, in in you know other in other kinds of public spaces that are relevant. And one of the
0: events in Bleed is kind of very directly referencing that notion of uh, digital anxiety, data uh, kind of collection, surveillance uh, and so forth, uh, Paonia Drive.
2: That's right. That's Angela Goen. Um, you've his work, I, um, which should be really great. It's a dance work that will take place online. The other thing I wanted to mention is that um, Arij Neuer, who will be well known to Triple R listeners, um, she will be hosting a podcast um, as part of the festival um, that looks at a lot of these kinds of questions. Yeah, the, the you know the, the culture of surveillance around the internet, the architecture of the internet, how it's curated. So i really encourage and the the programming on that. Um, You know, the kinds of speakers that we've got is is really quite exciting. So, yeah, there's a lot of things that, um, yeah, I think critical minds and and people who are thinking about, you know, independent thought will be quite interested in, in what's happening.
0: For more information about Bleed, a collaboration between Arts House here in North Melbourne and Campbelltown Arts Centre in Sydney, jump online. Bleedonline.net is the website for this digital festival that's happening over 10 weeks from the 22nd of June to the 30th of August. And for more info about Arts House, just go to artshouse.com.au. I've been talking to Emily Sexton, Art House's Artistic Director. Emily, just before I let you go, any word from you and from the City of Melbourne on when kind of programming might return to something akin to normal in inverted commas at Arts House?
2: Um, We're still making plans. At the moment, um, we're pretty focused on, um, yeah, doing all our COVID-safe plans so that we can start developments in the building. Um, And, yeah, we hope that we will have artists back in the building in the next month or so. But, yeah, I guess, like, we're all operating under the same guidelines that everyone else already understand so it really does come down to state and federal government relaxing those restrictions but um yes so i, I can't really say because i'm not i not a um i don't have a crystal ball, unfortunately but um yeah it'll it'll be about you know we obviously we'll be following the health advice and see how we go but it's it's a lonely world i think without um yeah, without being able to sit in the theatre or or look at something you know along someone else in a gallery. Um, I, I, yeah, it's it's a hard world.
0: It's a been it's certainly been a strange experience, but it's heartening to know that certainly at Arts House, as you say, that uh, artists will soon be able to come together. For creative development to begin, new work. Yes, they will be socially distanced, sitting on kind of at no tables, several metres apart in the main hall at Arts House, for example. But they can still be there and start to think and dream and create. Uh, and if you want to see uh, any of the work involved in Bleed, the digital festival running for ten weeks from the 22nd of June to the 30th of August, BleedOnline.net is the website to go to. Emily Sexton, many thanks for joining us on Triple R this morning.
2: Okay, thank you, Richard. Triple R.
0: The time has come for my final interview for the morning, but also the time has come to talk about the fact that Geelong Art Gallery is reopening after closing because of the strictures around COVID-19. I'm joined on the line by Jason Smith, the director and CEO of Geelong Art Gallery. Jason, it must be rather exciting for you and everybody at the gallery to, to know that people can come back in and look at art, which is the whole kind of purpose of your gallery existing. It,
3: it, it is a, it is for the community and it is for an audience. And nice to hear you, Richard. Look, it's very exciting. We'll be open again from Monday, the 22nd, which is great. Uh, and after a good three months of uh, not much activity in the gallery as a whole, it's a hive of activity today with all sorts of signage and, you know, final bits and pieces going on to comply with the regulations. Uh, but its I've been here at the gallery every day since we closed on the 17th of March with the facilities coordinator, just the two of us working at it opposite ends. The gallery's been in darkness. It's a very... You know, they need audiences, pictures and objects and public collections... Uh, in, they take on a completely different form of stasis when there's no one looking at them. So it's it's wonderful to be back in a position where we can open again.
0: What was the gallery like? What was it like working in the gallery when it was closed? Was it, were all the artworks shrouded, for example, in dust <laughs> cloths and so forth?
3: <laughs> Some were. All the works on paper had black dust cloths. Uh, the lights were off uh with a bit of emergency lighting on at different times uh it's a it's a somewhat large series of rooms and uh it's an old building so it i'll I'll use the vernacular some days it was spooky uh but uh, everything that needed to be covered was covered But when you walk through a gallery in darkness and you see marvellous portraits that are otherwise lit and have people looking at them, they have a very different energy about them. Uh, But I sat up here in my office in the darkness and just, you know, kept on working. We've had, we we have been, it's been busy because we've had to ensure our business continuity. Uh, We've had 20 staff members working remotely remotely. and lots of, you know, it's been at that end of the end of financial year, you know, getting ready for the next financial year, budgeting, reporting to the board, reassuring the board that everything's going according to plan. I've got a great team. So it's been a big team effort, but um, we've come through it, and um, everyone is very excited about uh, Monday.
0: I'm not surprised. I'm excited about kind of the fact that you're reopening. <laughs> I uh, Last week, I went up to Bendigo uh, for a day trip, uh, took the week off work, uh, and... Day trip to specifically because Bendigo Art Gallery had just reopened and I, I wanted to go and look at art again uh, yeah. uh, and uh, also just have a change of of surroundings a change of kind of uh, external stimulus which having spent three months working out of my at a desk in my bedroom uh, at home kind of. I hadn't realised just quite how much kind of external stimulus. It wasn't overwhelming, but by God, it was kind of so much fun and so exciting. So I would imagine that visitors to the gallery will be kind of champing at the bit to get in, some to revisit a favourite artwork, others just to, to say, let's go and stroll and talk and discuss and just get out of the house and have a change of scenery.
3: I mean, it's, it's very interesting because like so many galleries around the world and the country, we've done our bit to ensure that people have access to the collection, to resources, to films. We've got a, a new Geelong Gallery channel on our website just to, to, to keep people's interaction with the collection going. But the fascinating thing is that, you know, we've got a lot of bookings online because people want to come back and be in close proximity to the object itself, and there is nothing that can compare to that. Uh, And, yes, people want to get out and revisit their favourite institutions and revisit their favourite pictures and objects, but that very close personal interaction with, you know, a favourite work of art in its material form does not um, replace, um, or the the screen can't replace that. I think what everyone's been doing in terms of screen-based uh, interactivity and extending people's uh, dialogue with works of art and the resources that they've been putting online has been unbelievably fantastic. I mean, people have put so much energy into it. I know my team have. and uh, But... Just, just the just the freedom to walk into a public gallery again and see the riches of collections because Victoria, as you well know, is so rich. We've just rehung the collection um, in preparation for our reopening with a beautiful new show called Scenic Victoria. Uh, and, you know, again, once I never tire of looking at this collection and uh, and I'm sure Bendigo and Ballarat and Horsham and Hamilton and Shepparton are the same. We've all got the most extraordinary opportunities to, to show great things.
0: Now, as you say jason the uh, the gallery, while it has been closed has been kind of engaging with people through its channel through videos and so forth, but kind of the opportunity to return physically to the gallery and look at uh, to wander through its its exhibition halls and look at work is it's certainly online as you say is just not the same. but for people who do want to come back to Geelong Gallery, talk us through cool. the process of how they can do so safely because obviously you will have guidelines so uh, do people need to book, for example, to say I will come between ten and twelve, or twelve and two, or two and four, for example?
3: No, they don't have. They don't have to. They don't have to time their booking, but they can elect to book online so that they we know who's coming. We have a fifty-person limit uh, at any one time uh, for the for the time being. Uh, we have hand sanitisation stations everywhere. Sensor sanitisation stations. People need to um, simply uh, advise their name and their phone number uh, when they arrive. Uh, We're not necessarily taking people's temperature. We are taking the temperature of the staff when they arrive, so all the staff book in. Uh, We have an app um, that makes that very easy. We've got a lot of signage around the spot space. We've got uh, laneways so that people have uh, dedicated entrances and exits into particular galleries. We're not putting uh, social distancing markers in the galleries themselves. We feel that our staff uh, monitoring will be enough for that. We've got um, social distancing markers in the foyer and et cetera. We've done what we can. We've got deep cleans going on. People can arrive. They can walk in. Uh, We'll just be monitoring the numbers as they they come and go. But um, we're very confident that the, the number will be really easily managed. But we've had quite a few bookings online since we put the communications out. So it's been great that people have been so enthusiastic to get back. But it's important that people know that, uh, like many other galleries around the place and public institutions, we're doing everything that we are that we must to ensure their safety and well-being.
0: Now, as we've heard, uh, Geelong Art Gallery reopening to the public uh, this coming Monday, the twenty-second of June. If you've not been before, the gallery at fifty-five Little Malop Street, Geelong, and you can find out more info at www.geelonggallery.org.au. But Jason, talk to us, uh, talk us through some of the exhibitions that are currently on. <laughs> Or will be on from Monday, I suppose.
3: Well, they they will be on. Um, Before we, a week before we closed, Richard, we opened four new exhibitions that we had spent the last two years curating. So we have a marvellous new body of work by the eminent Sydney photographer Jackie Redgate um, called Jackie Redgate Hold On. Uh, That is reopening. Uh, A great new project developed for us by Kate Bainan, the Melbourne-based artist called Kate Bainan Kindred Spirits. That's opening. A collection-based exhibition, which is an absolute jewel box called Scenic Victoria, Land, City, Sea, uh, which is based on images of Victoria from the collection from the early 19th century to the present day. Uh, And we have uh, a collaboration that we undertook with Deakin University architecture students who uh, spent a year speculating on the design of a new Geelong gallery and its extension into the town hall. In due course, that's been a fascinating exercise. Uh, and a marvellous uh, exhibition called Going Public, which is a suite of extraordinary 18th-century regal and noble portrait prints uh, from our astounding print collection so we're, we're mining the collection and we're working with contemporary artists that's what people will see next week.
0: Great it, it's, I'm delighted to hear that the Jackie Redgate hold on exhibition uh, is still on because that was due to close on about the f- kind of in February wasn't it? <laughs> that was that opened in at,
3: in late February as part of the now postponed photo 2020 uh, so, it's international photography festival, uh, but because we people hadn't had an opportunity to really see it, uh, we have negotiated with Jackie very happily uh, that the exhibition would stay up uh, until um, uh, December, uh, and we'll just re revisit the public programming. But Jackie and the, uh, I was the, I am the curator of this exhibition with Jackie. This is a completely new body of work by Jackie, extending her practice fundamentally. She spent two years on it, and we felt it was very, very important that people had an opportunity to interact with it. So, Kate Bainan similarly um, happily agreed that we would keep her project up. So, we've just, when we turned the lights off, we turned them off, and we negotiated with all the artists and the exhibitors to simply turn them back on and extend the shows.
0: It's great that people are being so flexible in that regard. And, yes, the, uh, the exhibition Scenic Victoria, Land, Sea, City, uh, kind of which, ag- again, uh, opening from this Monday and running through until April next year, so drawing on the collection, not only a great opportunity to look at work from the collection depicting uh, the, the changes in Victorian landscape, Victoria's landscape, uh, over kind of decades, but also, very cleverly, I suspect, kind of a gentle way to remind Victorians that maybe after they've been to the gallery, they should drive out into the country and, and stimulate a, a regional tourist economy by, I don't know, buying some, some lunch at a small country town or something.
3: There, there, are, there, are, plenty, there are plenty of images of uh, Wood End, of you know, tracks into the Dandenongs. Uh, there's, there's a range of spectacular Victorian landscapes that I do hope inspires some regional tourism. I think we're, we're all obliged to spend our tourist dollar locally now. Uh, and uh, one of the great distinguishing features of Geelong's collection is its richness in uh, images of Victorian landscapes, and particularly around the Geelong and Bellarine and Western Districts region. Uh, so, you know, it, 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 people will be intrigued, but it's, it's, a, it's a particularly outstanding collection. So we've just been delighted to be able to focus on this particular aspect of it.
0: My guest is the director and CEO of Geelong Art Gallery, Jason Smith. Uh, we're talking about the fact that the gallery is reopening this coming Monday, the 22nd of June. Jason, I would imagine that, yes, you're getting a lot of people from kind of Geelong and the region, as you say, registering online and others will just rock up. But I would imagine that you're also hoping to, hoping to get you know, like an art-starved Melburnians like me kind of heading down for a day trip as well. <laughs> Well,
3: you know, I, I, I'm hopeful that because the train station is a mere two minute walk from the gallery, um, you know, we do we do see that particular level of traffic, and I'm really hopeful that that, that 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 people do undertake that sort of wonderful, you know, 55 minute train trip again. It's a really quick trip down the down the road. Um, it's a beautiful train trip, actually. So we're hopeful that because people are going to be focusing on local tourism and local experiences and spending a bit more time thinking about what's around them rather than what's out there, um, we will see some um, visitation through winter. Um, We get a pretty good audience in Melbourne, as a matter of fact. Um, Local community supports us incredibly well, uh, and we have a a really strong membership and cohort of visitation. But we have found in recent years that we get quite a few people from Melbourne uh, coming down to see the shows. A, A lot of people have expressed interest in the Jackie Redgate and Kate Bainan exhibitions because they're both such prominent artists. Uh, these are new projects. So I'm hopeful that a lot of, you know, Melbourne artists particularly will come down and look at the work of these two peers.
0: If people haven't been to Geelong Gallery before, I definitely recommend the train trip. It's a lovely, relaxing journey, just enough time to, I don't know, kind of, uh, kind of dive deep into a novel or a podcast or something like that, and then you get to spend kind of time at the gallery itself. Uh, Geelong Art Gallery,
3: or ten or ten minutes, or ten minutes looking at the beautiful Yu Yangs. Yes, uh, which, which you're closer to uh, than you would be if you were driving down the
0: road. Absolutely, and then I would imagine that the Yu Yangs are then reflected in one of the uh, one of the works in Sydney, Victoria, Lamb Sea <laughs> City as well. <laughs>
3: (laughs) Quite a few of them,
0: Richard. As we said, Geelong Art Gallery reopening this coming Monday, the 22nd of June, after closing uh, as part of the kind of national initiatives to slow and stop the spread of COVID-19. I've been chatting with Jason Smith, its director and CEO. Jason, an absolute pleasure having you on the show.
3: Thank you so much, Richard. Take care, and uh, we look forward to seeing you down here sometime soon.
0: I look forward to the trip. All the best.
3: See you later. Bye-bye.